praise you, Father, that that's who you are. We bless you and praise you that that's who you are. You're that kind of God. Even when we don't see you or feel you working, you are so much working behind the scenes. That's our confidence. You're always positive, always in a good mood in our presence. You're our strength, our peace. Oh, God, we love you so much. Praise you, God. Amen. What an electrifying presence here in our New Song Sanctuary this morning, and I know at home as well. Thank you, Jim, team. What a great set. What a beautiful job. Go ahead and have a seat, my friends, here. want to welcome everybody joining from home, joining on Channel 11 at 11. Set your DVR for that, and here you are. It's great to see you. Have you see us? And... Um, I want to just remind you that if you ever would like to join us um, in physically present in our services, you can check the time at our new song, Medford.com website. We'd love to have you join us if you're ever in our area. And um, also at uh, New Song Church Medford YouTube channel, which is something that a lot of people join as well, and many of you are joining online right now. If you'd like to help support our television ministry, those watching from home, um, you can give securely at newsongmedford.com. So today we continue our series in the story. The story about God's supernatural redemption, which is not just his story, it's our story. And today we are in chapter four, and we are turning to page 45 in the story, or Exodus chapter three, verse one in our Bibles. And the title of today's talk is a serving, the kind of serving that delivers, a serving that delivers. You know, there is so much of a cry in our heart that God put in our hearts, a cry, a desire for not only our own, our own experience of supernatural joy and peace and love in our inner worlds, and in our homes, but we desire that our extended family, our, our immediate family, our extended family, our what the New Testament refers to as our oikos, our family, extended family, our sphere of influence, the promise is that you and your household, your oikos, your extended family will be saved. And God has put that desire in all of us to not only get out of Egypt ourselves, if you will, but to help others be delivered out of Egypt. Don't we? Don't we have a desire for that? And whenever someone experiences a deliverance out of the bondage of Egypt into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, symbolically is expressed in this story, that um, we're happy. We, we just are on cloud nine about that. So the kind of serving, the kind of serving that delivers, we want to look at the story of Moses and the burning bush. And we want to just especially note first that Moses was called by God to serve God and God's people in a way that would deliver both himself and God's people out of the bondage of Egypt. And there's so much symbolism there about our spiritual journey. The name Moses, Pharaoh's daughter, when she drew him out of the Nile, that was a place of, judge, uh, not a place of judgment, but a place of disaster. It represented a horrific sadness and injustice and evil in the world of the children of Israel that all the, all the babies that were male that were 
that were guys that were born were thrown into the Nile River. What a tragedy that was. But for Pharaoh's daughter, when they put the baby, when Moses' mom and dad put baby Moses in that wicker basket and hid him on the, amongst the, uh, the reeds on the side of the Nile River, and, and uh, Miriam, Moses' sister, watched to make sure everything was going to be okay with him if possible. And Pharaoh's daughter came along, and I'm sure Miriam's heart just went, oh my gosh, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? What's she going to do to my sweet little baby brother? And she sees him, and she immediately says, he's going to be mine. And I'm going to need someone to, to take care of this, to nurse this baby. Hey, young lady, can you find a, someone to nurse this baby? Oh, I know of somebody. I'll pay her good. Awesome. <laughs> And it's Moses' own mom gets paid for nursing her own baby all the way until he's weaned. But Pharaoh's daughter named Moses, Moses, which means to draw out. So instead of being thrown in, he was drawn out. And that became part of his, the core, his core identity, that I am one who's going to draw people out of the bondage of Egypt. It's part of who I am. It's a calling of God. We know that because later on, he grew up, Pharaoh's court. But someone, some unknown person taught him the Bible stories up to that point. Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob taught him the Bible stories. He knew them well. The oral tradition down through the ages, all the way through 430 years of the time they were in Egypt, the oral tradition from generation to generation, the Bible stories, someone taught them to Moses. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that he did not identify with the pleasures of Egypt, the lusts, the passions, the idolatry of Egypt. He identified rather to suffer with the children of Israel, the children of God and the people of God because he knew those Bible stories. And that's who he wanted to be identified with. And he tried to rescue that guy that was being, probably, he was being murdered. Otherwise, Moses wouldn't have killed the Egyptian. He looked both ways, no one around. So he killed the guy that was abusing, probably murdering the Hebrew slave. Of course, you know, because you've read the story, this chapter, that the word got out that Moses had done this, and he had to escape, escape Egypt. And he went to Midian, and he came across a, um, some shepherd girls that were trying to get some water out of a well, and, they were, and some other some shepherd guys were being mean to them, and Moses came to the rescue. He was a, he was a great deliverer from the get-go. He ended up marrying one of them, and tending sheep in Midian, at just in a small way, small way, serving God all the way till he was 80 years old. And that brings us to the story of the burning bush in just a moment. But I wanted to especially note that the New Testament echoes this, this calling that Moses has, this calling that God has for each of us, that not only are we called to leave Egypt and allow God to rescue us and redeem us from spiritual Egypt, but he's called us to help our family and help our world to, to leave Egypt as well, to draw people out of that chaos into Jesus into Jesus' marvelous redemption. But the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, and hear this for yourself as Paul says it to Timothy, 
Take heed. That means don't, don't be sloppy about this. Get after it wholeheartedly. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. That is the New Testament apostolic teaching. Continue in this ministry of to yourself and to the doctrine. For in doing this, you will, both, you will save both yourself and those that hear you. Isn't that a great promise? That us going after the gospel promises and the apostolic teaching in the New Testament, our teaching of it and declaring it, heralding it to our family and to others that will hear us, anyone who will hear us, the promise is that they'll be saved and we'll be saved like Moses was. So first talking point after that introduction, a serving that delivers, the kind of serving that really delivers ourselves and other people, very much values the actual practice of serving. And my friends, this is a heart issue. God says that the, the biggest commandment is to love God. And we can't always tell from the outside whether a person is doing something because they love God or have, has other motives. We can't always tell. It's not us to, for us to even judge, but we can assess it for ourselves. And whatever we give our passions to and our time to is what we truly love. And God is inviting us because of the blood of Christ and his redemption to really serve him, to really love him in our inner worlds, in our hearts. So we're not using God to go after some other kind of um, God, but rather we are truly, truly, truly going after the presence of God and the love of God. Anaya, good to see you, man. Welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Anaya is my friend. We, we met and talked yesterday for a bit. Glad to have you show up, man. It's awesome. So we're looking at uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. And we're looking at a serving of others that delivers very much, um, a serving that delivers very much values the actual practice Exodus 3, verse 12 reads, God said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, Moses saw a lot of, a lot of signs and wonders. Would you agree with me? Like the nine plagues, and even in the presence of God, right here in this present story, God says, hey, if you don't believe me, throw, throw down your shepherd's rod, see what happens. Throws down the shepherd's rod, becomes a snake. Moses jumps back. Hopefully it wasn't a rattlesnake. <laughs> then God says, pick it up by its tail. Oh, no, i got to do this. Picks it up by its tail, comes his shepherd's rod again. That's a sign. But you know what God says? The, the greatest sign and a wonder for his redemption, his presence, his love for us. What he tells Moses is, you and the people you're going to help be delivered, you are going to serve and worship me in this very spot in the future. And I, I just want to go on record as saying that our ability to serve God is a supernatural sign and a wonder to us. I want to ask you a question. Where would your life be if Jesus Christ wasn't in your life? What kind of person would you be? Where were you headed 
in your life before you got good saved? What was the inner emotions that you felt? What were the idols, the gods, small g, perhaps that you were going after? Aren't you glad that Jesus made you a sign and a wonder by coming into your life, not asking you to join a certain church or embrace certain religious dogmas, but just to have Jesus Christ in his love, his peace, his positivity, his supernatural joy that he walks in, always being by your side, in front of you, behind you, left and right, in you, you and him, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that you yourself have become a sign and a wonder to people around you and to yourself? Um, Here's a quote from someone I have a lot of respect for, me. (laughs) Serving God and people in our personal world is in itself an amazing supernatural sign and a wonder. Isn't that good? I think it is. Serving God and people in our personal world is in itself an amazing supernatural sign and a wonder. John Newton in the, was a British uh, sailor in the mid-1700s, and he was evil. When you, when you take a moment to consider what he did, it was the most horrific evil. He was like the Egyptians who enslaved the, peop- the children of Israel. Only he was part of the slave trade out of Africa. He was pure evil. But you know what happened to him? Someone shared the gospel with him. And he got good saved. And he said, the rest of my life, I'm going to be an abolitionist. I'm going to, I'm going to fight what I was making money and fighting for the rest of my days. I'm going to serve and I'm going to bless. And as he served and as he blessed and he tried to work redemptively, trying to, trying to fix what he was part of screwing up in our world, he, God gave him a song that became a very famous song. You might remember it. It goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that's brought me safe thus far, and grace will bring me home. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. He became a huge part of the progress towards Great Britain abolishing the slave trade and abolishing slavery with the partnership with uh, William Wilberforce and others without having to have a civil war. They did it through parliament, which is the way we should have done it as a a nation. And And it's to our shame that we didn't. So I just want to say that God rescued John Newton. God rescued you. He became a sign and a wonder. You are a sign and a wonder to your family because of your valuing being a son, a daughter of God, and living out a life 
Recognizing, and this, this word serving, you know, you know, in the Hebrew, there's two different Hebrew words that are used in Exodus for serving, and they both mean the same thing. They, it involves serving, working for, and worshiping. And there's a seamless uh, continuity in terms of how God views our worshiping like we did this morning, our serving of others and serving of God in our hearts, guarding our hearts, for out of it is the wellspring of life. We are just wanting to serve God, love God with our hearts. Our inner world makes a difference. And actually putting our feet so that our Christianity isn't just in our head or in our hearts, but it's in our feet. We're working for social justice. We're working for improving situation in our, in our world. We're trying to serve and bless other people. It makes a big difference. That's what God is saying. And you know one more thing I want to just point out, that in the book of Revelation, the Holy Bible says his servants will serve him. His, and his servants will serve him. This isn't something just for this life. This is what we are wired for as human beings. Even in heaven, we get to worship, we get to work, we get to labor, we get to creatively serve. And I know, as much as I enjoy serving God here, in heaven, it's going to continue. And it's going to be awesome. So, first point then, a serving that delivers people, delivers ourselves, God uses, very much values it, the actual practice of serving Point two, a serving that delivers ourselves and other people sows, sows to small serving opportunities today and reaps a heavenly harvest tomorrow. As I, I wrote that and sent it to the team to have put up, afterwards I'm recognizing that tomorrow is sometimes just a few seconds and sometimes it's a few years, but there's always a law of sowing and reaping. What? What goes around comes around in the kingdom of heaven. And when we sow into serving in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, supernatural resurrection Jesus life, motivating us to serve and bless God and other, and, and other people, we find that God opens up, we cannot outgive God, God opens up blessings that are way, way better and bigger than we ever would have imagined. Let's look at the story in Exodus 3, verse 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Now you remember that Moses was serving those shepherd girls um, out of a servant's heart because he loved God to try to rescue him from those abusive shepherds that were not letting him get water. And the result of that was that he got to marry one of them. So God blessed him because he served. That was, that's what triggered it. And I'm even reminded of my pastor, John Lancaster, did a very simple service to um, a young lady whose dad had just passed away and was in transition in her life. He welcomed her and several other uh, young people that age into his big house to be part of, a, to part, part of the ministry. And as a result of that simple serving, welcoming her into his house, I got to marry her. So there's benefits to um, people serving. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal. So second talking point then. Oh, I was going to, did I read that? I didn't read it all. Okay. And he let, and, and let, he led the flock to the back of the side of the desert. Oh, I was going to mention that uh, Moses was not only served the girls, but he, he tended the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, after he got married. He said, okay, you know. 
I'm supposed to be delivering people out of Egypt, but you know, I guess I'll just serve you, um, father-in-law Jethro, and the, all these sheep here in the backside of the desert for 40 years, which is what he did. The priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb. I want to submit to you, Horeb, the mountain of God, that there was something in Moses that wanted to serve God so much that he wanted to go to a mountain with the sheep. As long as he had to hang out with sheep, I'm going to lead them to the mountain that is called the mountain of God, just in case I might get a God connection there. Serving. And what did it result in? The burning bush experience where God manifested to him. Verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. Now, a flame of fire in the Bible is sometimes judgment, as you know, but it is also a sign of the positivity of God and the power and presence of God. For instance, the pillar of fire at night that guided the children of Israel. The fire that appeared on, on Mount Sinai when the, God's word, God's law was given. The tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost was a positive experience of fire. So this is a positive experience of fire in this case. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So Moses looked and behold, the fire was, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why this bush does not burn? He was thinking it might be a God thing, I'm sure. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, now listen, went to Horeb, went to Mount, the mountain of God because he wanted God. Turned aside to see the bush. Why? Because he wondered if it was a God sign. And when God saw this simple, simple serving of God that was just turning to Mount Horeb and turning to the burning bush, that's when God spoke. It says, so when the Lord saw, verse 4, that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. What's he going to say? I mean, what's he going to say? Oh, my goodness. Here I am. So Moses had a habit of doing simple serving, rescued the girls, helped his father-in-law with the sheep, turned to God, served God, served people. Moses, God called Moses to do a simple thing like throw your staff down as a sign and a wonder became a snake. A simple thing, took a lot of humility, speak to Pharaoh. Scary, because Pharaoh had, the Pharaohs uh, were apt to kill him, but a very simple process of speaking. And one of the greatest things that you and I can do to serve people and to serve God is to speak up for Jesus, our testimony, what Jesus has meant for us. Supernatural joy and peace and love in our inner worlds. Whatever else God's done for you, talk about it. Give God a good, a good press. And when he does, God will take it and bless people uh, with it. The Red Sea crossing, all he had to do was raise his staff up and the whole Red Sea uh, uh, separated and they could draw, uh, walk on dry land, cross. Throw a tree into some bitter water and three million people will get something to drink. I'm not sure how big a tree it was, but that's what he had to do. That's what God told him to do. A simple gesture produces amazing results. In the wilderness of sin, interesting name for a wilderness, 
They were out of water again. Strike this rock and it will produce water. A symbol of the fact that Jesus Christ was struck on that cross and produced living water for you and for me. So simple things today produce amazing things tomorrow. Everybody prayed. Everybody prayed, for instance. God says, I've heard the cry of my people in Egypt. You know that this prayer rally in Washington, D.C. yesterday, huge. This prayer, but God is calling everybody to prayer, not just gifted intercessors and prayers. Everybody can look up and say, God, help. That's the most common prayer I pray is, help. Help for myself, self, help for my family members, help for people in, our, in the fellowship, our church fellowship, help for America in the injustices and the problems that we face, help for our world, help. God knows that our serving of him through asking him for help is a really, is really, really, really a big deal. Serving kids is a big deal. Simple process. I was in the cub teaching the cubbies class the other day, four and five year olds, doing doing a stint there, serving kids, and my grandson, four year old grandson Luke was in there. And I was telling him this is a this is a, one of the Bible story books in our bookstore. And uh, if you have children or grandchildren, I hope you'll get this book because it's an awesome book for kids. Kids love it. And it has the Bible stories in it. Well, I said I was telling the story of Jesus calling forth Lazarus from the dead. And I was telling the story to the Cubby's class, and I said, Lazarus, come forth, quoting Jesus. And Luke said, no, Grandpa, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Well, what did he say? He said, Lazarus, come out, as per this book. <laughs> I'm glad he was concerned with theological accuracy. We're exactly right. So anyway, that's a great book, and it matters. Amy Coney Barrett serves kids. Small things results in great things. Serves children. New Supreme Court justice we expect, trust. Fire relief. I heard of simple serving that was self-sacrificial, but it matters to God. There were thousands of dollars given through our fellowship to help fire victims. Franklin Graham's Samaritan's Purse is helping people find rings and um, valuable items and, and giving people love and praying for people. It's an awesome ministry. And Kevin, wave at us, Kevin, back there, and Larry and Pam Dixon are organizing teams to go through ashes, helping people find valuables, stuff that's lost. And that's kind of a cool thing. It's a very simple ministry. It's a real Jesus thing. Finally, serving that delivers other people and ourselves, always goes after the presence of God by faith, faith, faith. Every time we come across a challenge to our faith, we bust through it with faith. We bust through every challenge with faith. If you read the story of Moses, as in most of the stories of the Old Testament, 
They, they're called to live a life of faith, but then there's tests of faith, and they need to bust through that challenge by just declaring faith and going after it all the more. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that's why we're reading and preaching through the story, the Old Testament, 31 chapters from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the stories of the Bible, redemption, God's way for us. Um, Exodus 3, verse 5 and 6 says this about faith. God said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And all the stories come from this, whoever taught him the Bible stories comes to life for him. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Later, he learned to be safe and feel comfortable in the face of God. But you know, in ancient Israel, all the other gods, small g, had idols that represented the God. But you know what God, the true one true God, invisible, but he always has his word, his voice. So that's why we hear his voice when we read the Bible, when we hear preaching about the Bible. I want to conclude by reminding us of the symbols in the story we, that we read, symbols of Jesus' life, 